Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Netflix to my Hulu. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I thought you were going to go with delicious desserts, so you threw oh, me off there. No, I did not. I did not. Uh, I mean, we have a delicious dessert on this podcast. It's the... <laughs> Disney it's Plus our, for only... It's our very own Disney Plus, bundled in with ESPN Plus, only $7.99 a month. It's Eric Ronovic. Eric, how you doing? Doing great, man. I'm paying something like uh, three bucks a month for Disney Plus because of some stupid Verizon deal we got, but I don't have ESPN, and I'm just like, eh, I want to whine about it. You watching Mando? You watching Mandalorian? Of course, I'm watching Mandalorian. I'm, I'm saving it up like a like a like a dessert, like See, a I, treat. I thought you didn't like it that much. Uh, so I first season, I was like 50 50 on it because I don't like procedurals, just in general, just as a general rule, like procedurals don't do it for me. But I found that when I watched the second half of the first season all at once, um, the the shell story was more prominent because and it was it felt less procedural and I liked it a lot more. Oh. So I re- so I recognize that now to watch Mandalorian, I can't watch week to week because that kind of procedural format does not is not totally for me. I have to save them up and then watch yeah. them like a like a big treat that I'm saving for myself. So I've been radio silent. I've not been on. All I know is Sasha <laughs> Banks is on it, which is cool. Yeah, you know, so. uh, this this last episode was uh, daggers. Uh, being in nerd communities, I can't go on Instagram on Fridays until after I watch Mandalorian because yeah. idiots are going to spoil it. That was like me with Thrones. I couldn't go on the internet with thro- <laughs> for, for Thrones uh, and, and avoid it because of the communities that I run in. But Mandalorian, I I seem to be able to avoid. So I'm uh, so far so good. Uh, Kevin, you watching Mando? No, I uh, watched the first couple episodes and then like every TV show I try and watch, I ended up falling away from it, which is why I have so many movies. You just watch some movies. Yeah. Kevin, yeah Kevin. Like I, I've seen the first episode of Watchmen. Uh, it was does, really good. Kevin does not like <laughs> Kevin does not like uh, he does not like uh, television shows. He likes film. Hmm. It's, hmm. it's it's a complete situation where I can sit down to watch like two hours of a t- of a movie. But if I sit down and binge like two hours of a TV show. Um, so I'll watch like episodes one and two of a season. It'll be like seven months before I come back to do episode three. It's just, <laughs> uh, it just doesn't work. Well, the reason we're not talking about the game yet is I think we're all trying to avoid it. And that's fair because this was the among the most frustrating uh, games in uh, in recent Seahawks memory. It was, uh, it was super tough. It was a super tough loss for the Seattle Seahawks. And I want to get uh, emotional reaction right now because to be honest with you, the Seahawks right now have won, lost three uh, in a row, right? Three of the last four, right? And or they have lost three of the last four. They're two up in against, a row, three of the last four. They're, yeah, they're up okay. up against losing three in a row. Which Russell Wilson today in his interview, this is why I, I had that in my head. He said someone asked him, "When's the last time you lost three in a row?" And he said, "I don't want to think like that." So, uh, ooh, awkward. But uh, but it's um. What it's, they expect him to say? It's very real. <laughs> there's very real danger of this happening, though. You know. Yeah. Where. So what are you guys thinking right now? How are you feeling about the just just emotionally? How are you feeling about Seahawks football? Kevin, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, Sure, I'll go ahead and take a first stab and then give you the runway. Mm-hmm. Um, I went from feeling like we are a flawed team that was in the run for the Super Bowl to feeling like the most likely outcome is what we've been seeing the last few years where we make the playoffs, win one game and lose one game because it just feels like that kind of squad. Like I, 
there are things, and we talked about this last week, but there are things that are fundamentally broken right now on this team. And it worries me that I don't really see how it's going back together. So um, I feel I feel a little crushed. I love the offense out of the gate. I was having a lot of fun. And, you know, we hit Pete Vember right before Pete Sember. And it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. And it's not. And I'm hurt. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's fair, really. <sighs> It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I know the game yeah, is... How he finishes uh, a dirty diaper right now. <laughs> the last the last two games have been garbage. But I do believe we'll write some of this. But as Kevin said, fundamentally broken. That's a great phrase. Because our defense is awful. I don't understand how it's going to get better. We have pass rush now. That's not fixing anything except for pass rush. But it's leaving us open to just lose. I mean, we scored 16 points. We put up 16 points last week. That's half as many points as we thought we'd put up. Think about that. That's an extraordinary number to put up 32 points. We thought we were going to put up 32 points and lose. Instead, we lost 16 points only. When the offense breaks with this defense, man, I, uh, I'm accepting of our failures right now. But uh, yeah, we went from Super Bowl favorites to... Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna make the playoffs, no problem. But then it's just gonna it's gonna be a crapshoot. So a lot of the, I think rightfully so, a lot of the talk this week has been criticism of the uh, coaching staff. Where are you? Where do you guys stand with the with the Pete Carroll, uh, Ken Norton Jr. controversy, Eric? Eric, where do you stand with, with uh, what's going on with this coaching staff? I'm I'm under the same opinion as everyone else. Like Ken Norton Jr. is not the man for this position. There's no way you can convince me of that. Oh, well, he doesn't have Adams for the whole season and we didn't have the pass rush and there's a lot of injuries. We're doing everything wrong. We're paying, we're playing deep quarters with a relatively full roster. And then when we get more injuries, it's just, we look even worse. Uh, There's, there's gotta be better options out there. It frustrates me to no end that there will be no midseason change when everyone knows there needs to be a midseason change. If you want to go with the, like the, you know, the armchair quarterback of, oh, you got to shake something up. Shaking something up would be better than what we're doing right now. That's where I stand on this. Just, I'm, I'm so frustrated, but I'm really just like, I've already accepted it. Whatever. Our defense is just going to be trash all year. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I think the offensive play calling is not the issue. I actually think Shadi's still doing a pretty decent job. Um, I mean, we're we're trotting out our third, fourth, and fifth running back, and that's showing. Uh, and I'm Blake uh, Fuller. Uh, Fuller was a rack at center, so I think I don't think coaching is the issue on offense. I think coaching is a big issue in two other areas. Um, one of them is defense. I have been on this since last season. I just don't think Ken Norton's the man to push the buttons on Pete Carroll's install. And I know Pete is taking responsibility for certain key plays, but I think it also comes down to if he has a defensive assistant who he really trusts, that person can talk him into a different decision. And I don't feel like that's the case with Ken Norton. The other place that I think clearly our coaching staff is failing us is strength and conditioning. 
We have a billion injuries. We have lingering injuries. We have um, injury recovery timetables that seem to get stretched. I think that there's a lot of questions, and we've been worried about it since the hire. And Nathan brought it up at the time, talking about articles from uh, Ivan's USC days. Yeah, USC fans were excited that we hired away their strength and conditioning coach. Not a good sign. No nope. college team is excited to get rid of your their strength and conditioning coach to a pro team. Ivan uh, the Terrible. That's, that was her name. <laughs> that's, that's not good. So I think those are two areas where the coaching staff has let the team down. So um, a lot of people are going to point to the second half and they're going to say, hey, in the second half, this defense played a lot better. Uh, they didn't give up very many points. If if you would have told me before the game started that the Seahawks are only going to give up, uh, what did we give up, 23 points? Yep. 26 points? 23, 23. points. Uh, 23 points that I would have said that was a success. And okay, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe that's true. But their defense, our defense was given a lot easier job in the second half uh, for the most part. They went super conservative and uh, didn't ask a lot of their team. Truly tried to play mistake-free football until we forced them out of that shell. And the offense was not good enough to do that. Just straight up. The offense is not going to do it. I will say this. In the fourth quarter, though, we ha- uh, Jordan Brooks made one of like the best Seahawks plays I've seen in a while on defense, which is um, third and 12. Seahawks absolutely need to get off the field here. Uh, Josh Reynolds is running open in the middle of the field. Uh, he's running a, a, a crossing route. Jordan Brooks has the shallows and he does what a good zone defender does. Okay. And this is kind of, I want to, want to talk about, want to talk about the specific play because we, I talk a lot about how the zone concepts aren't working. And this, I think is a good example of what a play you can watch and you can watch this play. And even if you don't totally understand football, if you go three forty three to go in the game and you watch this play third and 12, you see what Jordan Brooks does. He watches Gerald Everett in the backfield. That's his assignment. He noticed Jared Everett is blocking. He looks at Jared Goff and diagnoses what he thinks the play call is. He sees Jared Goff's eyes. He reacts to Jared Goff's eyes, runs back into the towards back towards where the play ends up being and makes a play on the ball and breaks up the pass. These are the kind of plays that we need all of our secondary players who are in zone coverage to be making. And they're just not, they're not diagnosing the play well enough. And I don't know if this is a install problem, like in the week, we're not doing a good enough job figuring out what the other team is going to try to be doing. Because to be honest with you, there's a lot of blown coverages in this in this uh, defense right now. And there's a lot of guys just not making the right reads and the right calls in that, in that secondary. And in zone defense, when you're relying on other players to pass off these guys and stuff like this, you need to be better. These guys need to be better. And they don't know how to play together. And it's a problem. I'm not saying that it – the thing for me is that there's not a talent deficiency on this defense. If I look at this defense top to bottom, I see all kinds of talent all over this defense. Puna Ford is an emerging young nose tackle with a lot of talent. Bobby Wagner is still one of the best linebackers in the game. I think Jordan Brooks, now overall, did Jordan Brooks have a great game? Eh, it was a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, right? He was, But, but that play kind of shows the raw talent that he has to kind of take the next step. We've got good depth like Snacks Harrison, DJ Reed. Uh, we've got Carlos Dunlap now, who is, a, I think, a pretty solid defensive end and has shown even in a short time here that he can totally still play. Jamal Adams is an all-pro, and even though we're using him like the Denver Broncos use Von Miller for some reason, he's still a good football player. Uh, we have talent. The talent is not the problem. It's that right now these guys don't totally play together. They don't They don't totally uh, understand. So 
for me, what I what I want to see kind of moving on is that this uh, this defense kind of takes the the leap. This defense needs to really learn how to uh, play together. So they need to do better uh, coaching and and put it together because this this is not a talent deficient defense that cannot possibly win. So, all right, Kevin. Uh, you got any defensive, any more defensive thoughts? Like what, what, what stood out to you when you, when you watched the defense? You know, I think there's a couple of things happening here. One of them is that, um, the blitzes that are being dialed up in order to supplement the pass rush. And uh, we talked about Jamal Adams being over blitzed. I think that's one issue. I think a second issue is that, um, the blitz packages they're calling are really simplistic. Uh, KJ Wright's not nearly as good of a blitzer as um, Bobby Wagner, so bringing KJ instead of Bobby is a pretty significant downgrade. Bringing Adams from the safety spot isn't a super effective blitz. So what? And then the way that we're doing it is it's these fire zone blitzes that are. How do I put this? They are the end zone fade of blitz package. Uh, how, how do you how much do you like a delayed blitz with a team that can't cover on that yeah exactly side? like that, that that's the thing is you're basically you're giving up coverage in order to get late plat pass rush and so even when the defensive backs like trey played tighter this game i think like yeah, did you notice that on film i definitely noticed on film that trey and reed were playing trey tighter. had a trey had a very average game i didn't think he was exceptionally bad or exceptionally good he is a part of the greater problem, which is that this defense doesn't doesn't play together in any significant way. Oh, for sure. I, I didn't mean that he had a great game. I meant that literally he was physically closer to the receiver. Yes. Um, at the line true. of scrimmage. That is true. <laughs> and like and that's what we should be seeing. That was an adjustment that needed to be made. But it doesn't change the fact that his change of direction still skills are not good. And I think the types of blitzes that we're doing are not like exotic enough um, in order to make a big difference and are definitely um, taking away from our coverage ability. Yeah. Um, okay. So the defensive line, okay. It's been much maligned this year. Um, this probably isn't like the, um, the best performance or anything. This probably isn't the, the thing, but it was a fine defense, a very average defensive line performance. Do we all agree on that? Yeah, I think we'd agree. It's a pretty average performance. Oh, we got totally outcoached in this game and they definitely did try to make the game shorter. That was a plan. That was definitely something they planned. I mean, Jared Goff attempted 37 passes, but that's because they ran a ton of offensive plays. It's not because running wasn't part of their game plan. They ran a lot as well. They ran, let me see, let me look it up really quick. They ran 27 times designed runs. So, Which is what their offense kind of looks like normally. But we still played into it. I mean, where do we lose the game? I think it was the punt on fourth and one. It was 17-13 in the third quarter with two-thirds of the quarter left. There was over 13 minutes on the clock, if I remember correctly. Um, we punt the ball away. Ardently defending this decision as he continues to get questioned on it all week. Joe Fan questions him on it really hard. Nice job, Joe, in yep. the post-game interviews. And then they pushed him really hard in his KJR interview this week, too. And, and, and he continues to defend this as a good decision, by the way. And it was a horrible decision because they punted it away um, on fourth and one. And 
proceeded to give up a basically length of the field drive that really took us all the way down drive. to about three or four minutes left in the third. And that was where we lost the game. So that wonderful decision. And I, I like that he wasn't results oriented on whether or not it was a good decision. Um, my issue is that it wasn't a good decision and the results should have reinforced the fact that that was a bad decision. The thing is, is you're, you have a league best offense, right? Do we all agree on that? Yeah. And you, and you say, okay, can our league best offense get one yard, keep this drive alive and keep us back, keep us in this game. Are we going to hand it over to our league worst defense? That has given up is giving up a record amount of yards per game. We are on pace to set the NFL record for yards allowed, and and it's unbelievable to me. And and I generally, I think people who listen to this podcast know I generally try to keep it pretty positive. But that is, uh, it's not a very easy to defend choice. And the fact that he keeps doubling down on it, I think Pete expects his Pete expects his players to to hold themselves accountable, and he needs to hold himself accountable here. And say like this was the wrong call. I did not put my team in the best position to win, and it, and it's part of and it's my partially my fault. I think that that would be a, a perfectly fair assessment uh, of the situation. Do you remember years ago when the Peyton Manning Indianapolis Colts were so good? There was uh, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers. They didn't punt on fourth down. They went for it every time in this game. It's because the Colts were so proficient in offense. They said, "Why punt it?" Why don't we just go for it? And that way we have a better chance to score against them and win this game. I feel like the opposite is happening right now where we're not trusting in our offense and we're putting out the worst possible thing, which is our defense to let a team just eat the clock and zap us in a game. And like Kevin said, I the, the turnovers were a big part of this game, but that one play call that could have turned the tide. Definitely at least made it a more competitive game. I mean, universally, I'm going to say this defense played mediocre in this game. 23 points is kind of like a it's a mirage. The Rams played in such a way that they they could have put the pat the foot down on the pedal and scored 35 points. They would have just been risking us also scoring points. So they did not do that. They tried to keep the ball out of Russ's hands as much as possible, give him fewer opportunities to score. And it really worked out for them. I mean, that. That was the correct game plan. And Sean McVay, he, he's playing chess. And I feel like sometimes, you know, Pete's over here playing checkers. There are things that Pete Carroll is really good at. And those things did not show up on the football field this week. And that's that's what's so frustrating. Yeah, we just had a big issue where I think we touched on it last week. Communication in the defensive backfield is a big problem right now. Um, we would see Trey or DJ out of position underneath on their part of the zone coverage and then we would see Quandre way too far off on the back end or not able to get over in time on the deep part of the zone coverage and zone coverage is like it's communication and it's understanding and it's the ability to read the play the same way and it relies on two or three players to see the same thing and I think that's you know we've seen Brooks has the physical ability to be able to be a good coverage linebacker. But I think we've seen him out of position quite a few times. Um, one of them was on, it was the uh, Gerald Everett, not quite touchdown where they just punched it in from a yard out. And he was down towards the line of scrimmage, basically playing over the top of uh, Bobby. And it's a thing where as soon as you see it and you know, the type of coverage it, you quickly see that both of them are reacting to the running back in motion, and it should have been only one of their man. 
And if you look at the alignment of the defense, that was Bobby's guy. And Brooks needed to drop with effort. There is there is coverages that drop uh, a linebacker over a linebacker. Tampa two is the classic uh, the classic uh, cover coverage where you drop one linebacker into deep into a deep third, and then you have your two your your two safeties over. Um, but I don't think that's the cover. I, I, Pete hardly ever plays Tampa two. So no, so that was clearly be, not what this was. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if that was what the call was. I think yeah, you're right. Got guys are not playing the correct assignments. It's happening all the time. Um, End up with two people on the wrong side of a blocker instead of like pushing people back into where the rest of the defense is. Sneak Stuff preview. like that. If you want a nice, concise Twitter thread or YouTube video about this, Brett Coleman, I think, is doing a video on the Seahawks defense this week. I guarantee you it's just going to be uh, a lot of him drawing circles about like where he thinks guys should be and where where, uh, where they're not. Because that that's basically what it seems like right now is that this team just does not ever have its guys in the right place. All right, you guys ready to move on to Russ tries to do too much? Yep. <laughs> sure. Okay, Russ tried to do too much in this game. Took bad sacks that he should never take. He threw interceptions that he should never throw. Um, he was not he was not normal Russell Wilson in this game. Uh, 0 for 6 on deep passes. Um, just clean misses. With a pick. And with a, across the board. <laughs> just not not my um, not ideal. And just really struggled all game to make the right read. And And that's what that's what's so tough about this is that when you watched it back, the right play is there. The offense, I feel like Kevin, you said it earlier, Schottenheimer's making good calls. I thought Skybox Shotty did a good job in this game, pushing the right buttons and getting guys in position to win. Russ, for whatever reason, was pressing or or doing he just could not make the the he cannot make the the right call in these situations, and it led to a lot of mistakes, a lot of killed drives, and yeah, just a, and a Seahawks loss, really. I mean, Nathan, and, what was the picture you kept saying summed up the offensive experience? I don't know. Just tell me. I <laughs> it was a, uh, um, it was the interception on the throw to Disley, and you had an angle of it that was body. perfect, where it showed just a mile of open real estate, real estate for Russ to run, yeah, or he could have dumped it off to the running back, who might have even been able to score because he just had to avoid one tackle. And instead, right. what's he do? Just throw throws it across his body and floats it up so that the cornerback has plenty of time to react to it. And mm-hmm. late, and he threw it late too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Disley's open on the wheel. I see what he's seeing there, but like he needs to throw that sooner or throw it a lot harder. And and he throws it. He tries to go over, and the cornerback makes a good play on the ball. But he honestly throwing a fifty fifty ball on a wheel route to Will Disley is not my idea of a of a successful play. So if that's what his goal was, was to chuck it up for a fifty fifty ball. Yeah, I mean. Not, not when you had a pretty easy 20 to the running back just dumping it off. Or, or just running forward for, for seven, taking the first down and moving on to the next play. That's mm-hmm. the thing I think Russ is doing right now that, that is tough is that um, he's not taking the gimmies. He wants it all. And um, and that's tough because the you just take take what the defense gives you. That's what the, the best offenses do, right? If the defense is going to give it, that's what people do against us. If we're going to give them nine yards over and over, just take those nine yards every single time, right? And yeah. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what what the plan is here. I will say this: Russell Wilson has won the Seahawks way more games than he's lost them. This is a blip on the radar. Uh, I don't. I don't suspect that history has told me that this is just a a one game sample, and I shouldn't worry about it too much. But it was not a fun Russell Wilson game. It was not a great Russell Wilson game. He looked very human and very uh, very below average in this particular game. And that's kind of two games in a row where I feel like Russ didn't have great games. So yep. 
I don't know if we're we're like starting a downslide here or if if, it, if this is kind of what he needed maybe to get himself back in the right mindset. Maybe after week eight in San Francisco, he's he's buying the Russ MVP hype. He's like, I'm the MVP now. I got it. I can do everything. I am a god, you know. And it's it's um maybe maybe it was a little bit too much hype for him, and now he he's going to be back to you know focused focused Russ that we expect week to week that we know is is still there. He's still that guy, you know. He's still what one of the five best quarterbacks in the league at yeah. worst so it's you know what help a lot getting a healthy postage and carson back because well, kyle fuller looks, was trash looks like postage is not gonna play this week he's that, trending man he's not playing uh that's rough carson, carson looks like he's trending towards playing or at least hyde will play which is be fine too. To That'd be, be okay because honestly, Collins is giving us nothing. Like I know he had eleven for forty three, and it was almost four yards per attempt, which is a fine number, but it was also inflated by a couple of longer runs. There were way too many runs where he gave us nothing. Just literally I, I ran into the line. The, uh, it's I, uh, not the bruising back that we're used to, right? I'm, I'm going to be honest, dude. I thought I thought he was all right. You know, I thought he was not good, but not bad. You know, like a like a very. Uh, average performance for i i i thought homer could have given us about what he did i i I completely disagree with that (laughs) uh do you know how many how many avoided tackles do you think that uh that that your boy uh that your boy alex collins had i mean i mean two because i'm looking at the stat i wrote it down that's two more (laughs) broken tackles than i feel like travis homer has ever had and he had 36 (laughs) 36 of his yards were after contact man he was he was out there trying i mean yeah he he had a couple of long runs that i think boosted those numbers but he had a very uh derrick henry day he's pretty he's a pretty strong defense i think and it was tough sledding out there for him and i thought he did fine if you gave me that alex collins game every week i would be completely okay with it like it's a good rotational running back game the problem is that we didn't have anyone else to rotate in there it felt like felt like dallas was just in the doghouse and uh they did not want to use homer to do anything but block which is yep. fair. That's, which is wise. Which yeah. is fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's um, that's the thing. But here's the guys who did not participate in practice today. So Griffin, Posich, Dunbar, Brown. But Brown never practices on on a Tuesday. This is t- yeah Tuesday. Uh, Lockett didn't practice, but sounds like he's going to play. Fuller did not practice. Jordan Simmons did not practice, and Nico Thorpe did not practice. Uh, KJ Homer Mayo Mayo was back. Kevin. All right, Car- that's big. Car- Carson got a limited practice in and Hyde was not on the injury report, which is like huge. You know how bad Fuller was? Can we sign Joey Hunt? Uh, I don't know. That's I, how I bad Fuller like, was. I feel like throwing him in Yikes. there against Donald is like so brutal that I don't want to. I don't want to overjudge based on that. Like, I understand that. I felt like he was so brutal that I, I think I think whoever he plays against will look like Aaron Donald. <laughs> I mean, Aaron Donald had eight pressures in this game and was a total monster. Uh, so I don't know. And they did a bunch of like janky inside blitzes. They really knew. They knew that where to. They this is what I'm saying. We got outcoached. They they knew exactly what they were doing. They were like, we're gonna cut inside. We're gonna we're gonna make the inside of their line make plays, and it's gonna be really difficult. We're gonna overload the inside and stress these running backs who have not practiced these protections enough. You know. It's, yeah, I mean, they did a good job of exploiting where our injuries made us especially vulnerable. And Russ, again, had an off game, which exacerbated all of those issues. This was yeah, kind Russ, of a perfect storm game. 
if Russ doesn't throw the pick, uh, the, that, that pick, um, the pick that he could have ran for first down, and we score a touchdown on that drive, I think we probably win this game. To be honest with you, we squeak out. It's an ugly win. It's a gross win. It doesn't feel good. It feels probably, but it feels better than this. <laughs> and yeah. uh, they squeak it out. So at the end of the day, you know, we're one, one mistake. The thing is, is that this offense needs to play mistake-free football going forward. You just can't make mistakes like this with a defense that's this bad. When the defense and the and the defense makes a couple plays every game, you know, they make a couple pass breakups, they get a three and out, they get a couple good sacks, they get a fumble, strip fumble, right? When those plays happen, the offense needs to take advantage and put points on the board. They cannot turn it over right back, which has happened in consecutive games. Yep. Or yeah, two out of the last And has been weeks. turning points in multiple those games are, now. Those are opportunities that the Seahawks are kind of throwing away. So, um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's Do we want to say anything positive? Because honestly, I don't really feel like it. Positive about the offense? Uh, Swain uh, was used correctly. Catch and run. That was uh, fine. Yeah, I like... Freddie Swain's a good, solid rookie. That's a good, some good scouting that we did there. Um, David Moore continues to be a solid third option on the offense. Brown and Shell are still really good. Inexplicably, DK Metcalf only got four targets. I mean, I understand Jalen Ramsey's guarding him, but give your boy some shots. You know what I mean? This is a guy who's playing as good as any wide receiver in the NFL. Give him some shots. If you're going to take bad shots, at least make them towards the guy who is six foot 11 and 500 pounds of of all muscle, right? Like, give him the opportunity to make some plays. Don't throw a, a lot of 50 50 ball to Will Disley, who I love Will Disley. But that <laughs> that was a mistake. Well, and also, I mean, there I mean, were times in the game where Russ didn't have what looked like the confidence behind his line, even though he had maybe three seconds, which is enough for, you know, a, a 30 yard 50 50 ball to DK. I don't know. It just looked like Russ was uncomfortable the entire game. Well, it's like on the first couple of drives, he was willing to like take the yardage that was there. And then somewhere around maybe halfway through the second quarter and then really in the second half, what you saw is he was like, it was like he wanted to get a chunk play on every single down. And that was when we started drowning. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. There was a drop off when we went from Iupati to, to Jamarco for those plays. And yeah. I, and Jamarco had a rough game. Jamarco was not good. And so, and the Upati came back, and I thought was um, it Service showed that again. it showed that veteran that veteran presence on that line does matter some, you know, like and if you know the, the guy I want to see get a shot is Phil Haynes, but if he's not healthy and he can't get right, then I want Upati to be healthy because he at least is a stable hand. I don't that when we sometimes we put in these other these backups and they they totally bomb in these situations and it's terrifying. You know? Well, and Simmons going in there is fine, but I think Jones has had a really bad season especially on the interior. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand the value of Jones. He can serviceably back up a bunch of positions, but boy, he did this was a this was a tough go for him. Those 15 yeah. snaps were universally uh awful, not good. So, uh hopefully uh I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It would be great to get postage back this week. You're right. So those were our positive notes about the offense. <laughs> I think that summarizes the games really well. Should we move for our week 11 preview? The positives is like we're going to have one, probably one good running back this week. That That's going to help. That's you a know, plus. It's a plus. We're going to. We don't have to no play way. Aaron Donald. There's no way Russ can play worse. And the, this this 
Cardinals defense is a lot less scary than <laughs> than the the way defense we just played. Like they don't have a, any dominant players in the in the way that that the defense we just played does. You know who's their who's their best defensive player? Buda Baker. Like I'm not scared of Buda Baker. Um, I also don't want to see us shying away from Patrick Peterson. Like I feel like we shied away from him in the last game. I say we go at him. Pat P. Pat P. Can't guard DK or Tyler. Let's go go after. I feel like that's got to be a game plan though. Is how DK played in the last game. This is going to be the DK revenge game. Hundred percent. One thing that's happening in Arizona that it's different from the first time we played them, and we saw this guy in our game. Kind of that that was like the start of the emergence. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is starting to play a lot more snaps for Arizona, and he's playing well. This was one of my favorite players from last year's draft. I was sad to see him go to the Cardinals because I knew we'd have to play him a lot. And he's starting to get the trust of the defensive co- coaching staff. And uh, he's a problem, just just in general, a problem. Uh, he's uh, we, a little linebacker who can cover basically anyone on the field. That is uh, that is not uh, the kind of Swiss Army knife you want to put next to someone like Buda Baker, who is a strong safety, who also can do similar things and uh, really is, is a, a game changer. Those guys on the field at the same time, it makes it's going to make our lives difficult. It makes but, throws over the middle a problem. Yeah, I would like to see a uh, you know those th- those are the guys I'm watching out for. Is the where are those guys on the field? How does Russ react to where those two guys are standing? Because I think that's going to be the the big difference is how can Russ um, figure out unlock those 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 middle of the field players? Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, Isaiah Simmons. Those are the key players for uh, for this Arizona defense, and I want to see how we can react to those. And that's where if Carson's back to run him over, like that's going to be like Simmons on the field against Carson is a little bit of a liability. Right. He's Whereas Simmons, light. yeah, 230, 230 pounds for a linebacker is not big. I, Carson can break some tackles, rumble for eight yards over and over if they put all those guys on the field at the same time, like they probably want to. Yes, I would love to see us actually lean a little bit on the running game to try to to try to um, at least in short situations. You know, I don't mind throwing it a lot, but like the. We need to have a two-yard running play that we can kind of lean on when it's third and two, right? right. That, that's that's the that's the play that feels like it's totally missing. Is how do we get two yards in a short situation or fourth and one? Like we need a play that Pete completely completely trusts, and maybe that that needs Chris Carson, right? He needs Chris Carson on the field to either you know take the ball on fourth and short or be the the decoy that he he you know he trusts because. Maybe with Alex Collins out there, he's like, you know, they know we're going to throw. They know what we're going to do. And I don't, I don't want to go out there in fourth and one and, and throw it. That's, that's, you know, and that's the reason he talked himself out of it. Not the, not the, you know, just pure stupidity. You know, two, three games ago when we signed Collins, uh, it was, I found out through the discord and I was like, uh, is this a joke? And it, it wasn't a joke. So having Hyde back, uh, at least at the least will be at least a guy that, you know, we can plug in that could hang with the line. Hopefully, right. hopefully. So we do, do we want to do, how do we win? How do we do lose? And then prediction. Sure. All right. How do we be Arizona? Um, Kyler Murray's going to get his, I don't think we can stop it. This defense is not, uh, it's good. It's the talent, but it's not, it's not prepared to, to shut down Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's going to score. Uh, this offense is going to score like 28 points, which means we got to get to 30. So how do we win? How do we win? The offense turns it around. Russell Wilson doesn't make mistakes. We play mistake-free football. And uh, even in the first Arizona game, Russell Wilson made some mistakes, right? Uh, the interception on the the last drive killed the game. 
uh, those we need to play mistake free football, and that's what's going to make a difference. If the turnover, I think the team that wins this game will win the turnover differential. That's my prediction. Um, if if we win the turnover differential, we win. If they win the turnover differential, they win. That's the difference. I want to see those toxic differential plays going in the Seahawks direction, not against the Seahawks. We've been giving up big passes. We've been giving up uh, turnovers. I want to see those things turn it back around. Those are the keys to a Pete Carroll team is to to limit toxic plays. So that's what we got to do. There you go. How about that? I like it. Eric? Who's got the first pick? Uh, you want me? Here we go. This is easy. This is a revenge game. We need to win. We're poised to win. We're at home. Action green. Man, I hate those uniforms. <laughs> I just feel like this is going to be a, a no-brainer game where we're going to come in and be like, why was this so easy? Maybe I'm overconfident. Seahawks, 33. Arizona Cardinals, 20. This is a really just a, a tough game to, to, to get a handle on in general. Thursday night football is weird. Um, in the first meeting, uh, there was 1,091 yards, 64 first downs, 71 points. Um, there was DK's epic rundown. There's so many players that could be coming back from injuries this week. If Shaq comes back, you know, it seems like his hamstring issues might be clearing up. If 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 we can get guys back healthy, I mean, I just don't know. This is such a hard read for me. There's going to be a, how do we how do we handle the, the the middle of the field guys with Kyle Fuller as our center? You know, because Postich is seems like he's not going to make it back. Although if he passes concussion protocol, he's right back in the mix, right? Gotta be. Um, um, Tyler Lockett lit it up last game. What did he have? Two hundred receiving yards. It's just this is such a hard read for me. I need more time to think about it. Kevin, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so um, for those of you who've been longtime fans, you know Nathan would do the uh, four possible outcomes. Um, this is one of those games where all four feel on the table. Yeah, it's if very rare that I, feel, I wouldn't be shocked. It's very if, rare where you feel like you could put a 25 in all four of those quadrants and uh, yeah. it feels reasonable. And this does feel like a game where you could do that. It absolutely does. And so I feel like whatever I pick, it could end up looking ridiculous. So um, if the Seahawks lose, they will lose because the line couldn't get the blocking together and gave up some critical sacks. Um, Russ couldn't get the deep ball working and only connected maybe a couple of times. And the running game wasn't reliable. Um, if the Seahawks win, it was because the inverse of those things happened. Uh, the, the deep passing game worked. We were able to get some quick strikes and the defense was able to get a couple of timely turnovers that allowed for extra possessions for Seattle. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little high scoring, but I think that Seattle's going to try and run the ball a little more, which will probably result in Arizona running the ball a little bit more. And it could be one of those like low score at halftime, lots of scoring in the second half type games. So I'll go with, uh, Seahawks 31, Arizona 27. I'm going to give you some more stuff. Thursday night football so far this year, the underdog is eight and two against the spread, which is not good for the Seahawks. The um, Arizona is the underdog at plus three, which is kind of surprising. Were you guys surprised when that line came out like that, that the Seahawks were the favorite coming off of a, like, a, a little kind bit, of, yeah. kind of yes. ugly loss and Arizona coming off an epic win. I thought the spread would go the exact opposite way. Yeah, same. 
And the other thing too is like, I don't know, like home field advantage feels like it's even more dead. Like I said in the past, you know, uh, home field is kind of dead because a number of factors, but it's just like, it doesn't feel like as big of a deal as it used to, right? The Seahawks, when we, what do we win? We went like eight and zero or seven and one, like three consecutive seasons or four consecutive seasons. And then, and then the next year we went four and four and then we went five and three. Right. And it just, it seemed like it wasn't quite as, as we weren't quite as dominant on the home field as we well now with COVID. It really isn't a thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I was going to say is <laughs> now, now we don't even have like the slight advantage that we're getting from the, from the twelves, like, causing false starts we are the false start leader still you know so that is just man it is it is just rough um ugh, i don't know what to do in this game it's just like so hard because okay they are the number one offense we're the number 32 defense but we also have a very good offense and their defense isn't that good you know so when i'm and then when i look at the dvoa numbers right which is like my favorite quick and dirty way to compare teams when i don't watch all their games Yep, Arizona is, is considerably better than theirs. Yeah, often Arizona is 11th, and we're we're in overall, and we're eighth still. And we have we, we are the 12th. They're the 12th offense, and ours is the fourth. And I, it makes me think that like, okay, they're getting a lot of yards, they're getting a lot of points, but their their offense isn't as efficient as it appears. Um, as it appears, right? If you it doesn't uh, pass that. Another thing that kind of helps us. Okay, so far this year, we've played the fifth hardest schedule. You know, we've played a pretty tough schedule. And uh, our future schedule after this is 31st. And that includes the Arizona team that is pretty good. Like we're playing, we're playing, we've played a tough schedule where we've gone six and three. We're playing, our offense is playing good. Our defense is bad. Our special teams is amazing. And we did not talk about this, but this is what I think is the, I'm going to do it. This is the X factor in this game. Jason x myers okay jason all three myers <laughs> jason myers kicked 61 yard bomb last week he has been uniformly excellent so Franchise far this record. season he is, he is an awesome kicker and i think uh he has shut everyone up who was maybe a doubter at the at the beginning of last year last year there was some talk and i think that everyone who listens to this podcast knows i said he's automatic he never misses he's the greatest kicker of all time and it basically willed it into existence. So I'm more I'm more than willing to put it all on the line for Jason Myers this week. Jason Myers and in a big dicko mode. They're the reason we win. Uh, pin them deep in the five one time. Get a safety. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna make a safety call here. Seahawks get a safety and win 31 29. They win by the safety. No no. You guys got a pretty 30 29. I'm gonna make it 30. Ooh even closer. That's scary. Well then. This hits me on another level too. Seahawks win, but Cardinals cover, which makes sense to me because the you know the, the underdogs are eight and two against the spread. Yeah. So so I think that that and also this game's going to be close. I'm just I just know it. My butthole is going to be tight. I, I got this fantasy that Kyler Murray's just going to play the turnover game like he hasn't in a while. So you know he's due. These are all just me crossing my fingers. <laughs> this is this is my dream. This is my dream. <laughs> this Welcome is... to my fantasy. <laughs> Sweet, sweet fantasy. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. That's not the Mariah Carey song you're supposed to sing in November. Wait, uh, I don't no, no. want a lot. For- nope. okay. dun, dun, dun. I, ma- I made it. I made nope. uh, I ruined everyone's day right there because they probably, if you hadn't heard that song yet, well, you're going to hear it about 45 more times. Never really miss going into stores. I don't hear any of that for 10 more days because, you know, wait until after Thanksgiving. And number two, I hate you guys. <laughs> okay so the sorry go on keep yeah i was just gonna background you the whole time 
Okay, if you want to support the Seahawks, two man Seahawks Nest podcast starting next week. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is to thank the Patreons. Thank you to if you want to help support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way to do so, head over to punthub.us, click anywhere you want, it'll take you to the Patreon. You can you could sign up for as little as a dollar twenty four a month. Get in the Discord. Uh, get, join the conversation. Uh, we do our games. Uh, we we stream the games in the Discord. We watch them together. Uh, you can hear everyone getting very frustrated in real time. Hey, and at least this week we don't have to wait. We we only have to wash down that that Rams loss. We only have to wait three days to wash it out with a Cardinals win, right? So thank you to new Patreons: Shane, Greta, Nathan, Clinton, Dave, and old Patreons new and old: Lucas, Greta, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Bet. Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, Sebastian, Foles, Emmanuel, Jay, Warwolf, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flocktimus, Keith, and Michelle. Okay, those are the man. We have so many Patreons now. I'm gonna. Have, there's gonna be some point where I feel like I shouldn't read all of those names, but we're not there yet. We are getting close. We're getting closer to every time to me moving the moving the goalposts for how many names I'm going to read. <laughs> if you don't have any money, uh, you can head over to iTunes. Give us a review. Uh, five. Uh, Please five five uh five stars only. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you go put in all that effort, you know. Go big or go home. Yeah. Or anywhere, you know, that. anywhere you can fight your podcasts. Uh, hit us up. Also, uh, Twitter. We have uh, I post the podcast on Facebook now, YouTube, wherever you want to find your podcast. I'm there. If I'm not there, let me know. I'll add it. Okay. Uh, Movie club this week is going to be um, something. End of the I, world recommendations. So here's the thing. Uh, we all already went through this once where they they increased restrictions on us and uh, they're about to do it again. I think I'll, uh, if judging by the, the lines at Costco, uh, definitely people uh, were preparing like it is the uh, the apocalypse, right? Um, so, Juan, did you guys go to the grocery store in the last couple of days? Have you, did you go? No, I specifically uh, went before that, so I wouldn't have to deal with that. Yeah, since uh, the first lockdown, we've discovered that unless it's a specialty item, we're not really going to the grocery store ever again. We just love the delivery. Yeah. Um, it's uh, I, I do know that I've heard that toilet tissue is, is back on the rebound for most popular stock in America. Gold plummeting, toilet paper rising. Yeah, one thing um, that... For us, we use the we use the um, Fred Meyer the click list where you, yep. uh, yes. you put it in, and then you just go in and they put it in the back of your car for you. It's pretty cool. Um, and you get like three things you didn't even ask for, but you're like, oh, I guess I'm having these cookies. This yeah, week. it's like I wanted this thing, but then they substituted this other weird thing. The thing for me though is that we, um, my wife gets vegan butter instead of regular butter. I don't, I guess get regular butter, but whatever. Um, she, but she gets the vegan butter, and they're always out of it. So we, so so she just puts it on the list every week. Like she's like, get me three of these, three of these. And then they just never have it. And I just, I'm like the COVID has caused vegan butter to go to leave Amanda. You're going to have to eat regular butter again. COVID attacking the vegans. <laughs> Pretty funny. So, all right. They, um, all right. So we got, um, movie. So recommendations though, but we're going back to at the very, if you've listened for a while, you know, at the very beginning of lockdown one, we did multiple podcasts a week and, uh, two, we, we, uh, we made it recommendation based. So we recommended stuff that we thought you should watch that was available on a major streaming service. So I'm going to go first, right? Yep. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Oh, by the way, we have 68 Patreons. So tell a friend to join so that I can make like as many 69 nice references on next week's podcast. As yeah. We have possible. standards. To- <laughs> uh, okay. You can so, help. so, um, so 
I'm going to suggest a show that is releasing weekly. You can get into it now. They're releasing one episode a week. We are on series 11 of The Great British Bake Off. Okay, and we so if you're not watching this, you got to catch up. You're going to you're going to have a nice chunk of I think like 10 episodes left or 10 episodes and then you're going to be able to go uh to go watch the last uh, the last 3 uh, and I like this show because it is so uplifting. It's like the reverse of an American reality show. So an American reality show, everyone's a jerk to each other and it's so com- cutthroat and competitive and uh it's like everyone's a total jerk the judges are the judge on this show who is a jerk isn't even really a jerk his paul hollywood have you, have you guys watched the show at all i like the show um my exact statement was going to be uh this is my favorite reality tv show because they ignore all the reality stuff and they just do cooking stuff and that's all i want from it yeah paul hollywood is like he's like nice whereas like the and he's like the evil judge that they're all like Which scared is, of and i'm like this is the evil judge on a normal show on a normal uh, cooking show, yes, the dude. On a normal cooking show or, or on a normal reality show, the 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 judge you're scared of is like a total jerk. This is also the reason I like Top Chef so much. Top Chef has a similar vibe where it's like it's competitive, but but they but they're like they're all like trying to win fair. No one wants to win <laughs> because of you know shenanigans, and I think it's pretty cool. So there's some great characters on this season. There's some good, really good cookering. Um, there is a child who is uh, amazing. Uh, he's like, looks like he's like 15 years old and he's a really good chef. So our, our baker. So that's pretty fun. Um, since that baby driver is baby baker. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I like it. I think it's, uh, like it's really solid, uh, show. It's really fun. And the food looks really good. And, oh, and when they mess up, it's usually really funny because like they all have a really good attitude about it. And it's like, um, and it, it makes it more fun. Whereas like if some, you feel bad for them, but like, it's not like the end of the world, you know, they're usually like, Hey, I'm happy to be here. That was, that was great. So yeah, that's my uh, kind of sales pitch. Great British baking show. Highly recommended. All right, Eric, go now w- real quick. The, the host of that show, uh, Vince Noir from the mighty Boosh, correct? Yeah, What's no, his no, real name? No, Julian. No. Uh, oh, no. Feld- no, no, you're right. No, it is no Felding. You're right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Just trying to just trying to get a, a grasp on it because I keep thinking about it as I'm scrolling and I never click on it. Uh, I'm going to play off this idea because I've, I've thought about watching the show because recently I've been into travel cooking shows, uh, a thing from my past that I enjoyed, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I can't travel. I, I can't go anywhere. I'm I'm not having any bitterness watching these. I'm watching old episodes of No Reservations that are streaming on, uh, I believe, uh, uh, Tubi has it. I think um, there's another service that has it. It might be Amazon Prime. I believe it is. Um, But it just, you know, Anthony Bourdain, a a guy we lost a few years ago. Um, Hearing his voice again is cool. Uh, Watch the Chicago episode. On Monday, I had the day off, and it took me back to my time in Chicago. I love that city. Um, there's also a show on Netflix called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. It's just a four-episode miniseries, kind of uh, plugging a book that uh, Samin Nosrat wrote uh, with the same title. Uh, it's just a, just a travel program involving food. If you like that sort of thing, uh, I would recommend Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And of course, the old favorites of No Reservations. Yo, have you have you watched um, Taste the Taste the Nation, the Padma Lakshmi no. uh, travel show on uh, Hulu? 
Uh, I've not. No, good. I know what it is, but I haven't seen it's it. It's pretty solid, dude. I think that if you're if you're into this, like you should uh, you should give it a try. I think it's got it's got like a um, it's got like a cool vibe to it. Um, where she's just hanging out with like regular people, regular um, eating a lot of like cool, interesting food, and I I think you'd really dig it. Have Sounds you guys about right? Street food on Netflix. What street food on Netflix? I've seen that. That's, that's uh, another one that's pretty good. It'll make you really hungry though, and it, it's just like they have street food Asia and street food Latin America, and it's all like this person has been running a noodle stand in Thailand for fifty-seven years, and like let's watch him cook a little bit. Let's see the dishes. Um, see, and that's real why, news. The that's the stuff I care about. It's I, yeah. It's, I watched. It's um, I've watched the Netflix food shows. I've watched. I watched Nailed It, which is hilarious. That show cracks me up. Yeah. I've watched uh, Ugly Delicious, which is like David Chang's travel food show. It's yep. pretty solid. I like Ch- Chang's. Ch- Chang is like someone who like sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, David Chang's great, and other times I'm like, David Chang is so annoying. So, so. <laughs> he kind of comes off as arrogant, which I'm not a fan of arrogance. So, but um, yeah, that that shows are right. that's got yeah. hit or miss episodes too. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. All right, Kevin, what's your recommendation for us? All right, so uh, I've talked about them a bunch of times. If you haven't done it yet, this is your chance to get basically an entire season of TV show worth of time in the form of movies. Because you can watch Ip Man 1 through 4 and Master Z Ip Man Legacy all on Netflix. And it will total about a binged season worth of time. And they are great. If you want to see Donnie Yen beat up abstract concepts, then you can't do any better than this. Uh, did you ever want to see someone punch racism in the face? You can see two movies about it. Do you want to see someone uh, beat up fascism? I've got a movie for you, sir. You know, or madam. You know, it doesn't discriminate. So if you like Donnie Yen beating up abstract concepts as much as I do, which I cannot stress is a lot then this is five movies that you should check out. I watched a Donnie Yen movie on uh, on Netflix the other day. Dragon uh, Tiger Gate? No, I watched Kung Fu Killer. I've seen it okay. before, but I, I just wanted to watch it again because <laughs> it's got like some, some some real banger fight scenes that I think are super, super fun. Yes, and, like, the fight scenes are really good. The connective tissue, we won't talk about that, but the fight scenes are really good. It's ridiculous. The connective tissue is stupid. <laughs> it makes me, it made me laugh. I was like, I forgot how bad it was because I haven't seen, I hadn't seen it in like, like three or four years. Like I watched it closer to when it came out and like, uh, I was like, what is going on in this movie? I just want to, uh, to, yeah, it's a delightful mess. I don't know, but but it was but it was, the fight scenes just bang. The bad guy in that movie, the bad guy, I put it in quotes, but like he's just so ridiculous. His motivations are so bizarre. It's like uh, <laughs> it's, it's great. It's perfect. So, all right. Uh, anything else you guys want to do before we uh, we roll out of here? No, I gotta save recommendations for next week too. So, uh, oh, maybe maybe well maybe we'll back next week. We'll be back because I think we have a plan for next week. Uh, if you want, how about this? If you want to watch along with us and comment. Next week we're gonna we're just gonna say it we're gonna do Ricky O next week we've been kind of planning it for a while it's just a, uh, definitely a, a Seahawks nestist uh, movie choice. Can I do the full title Ricky O the story of Ricky. Yeah, the story of Ricky. So <laughs> if you want to watch along and, uh, and and kind of uh, hit the beats with us, get ready. All right, for Kevin, for Eric, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. Mm-hmm.